You can't target one person with one video. If you go to the beach and you go fishing, you can't just take like shrimp and expect to catch sharks, right? Mm. The sooner you realize the business side is more important than the skills, sure. the quicker you will be able to make a living with what you love. I think I made like 18,000 the first year, mm -hmm. but like my expenses were like 40K or something. So it's, it's like, it's like it's not, not. super profitable. <laughs> By thinking about it this way, we can think about a whole strategy rather than just going like, I just need a video. Because again, like if we can understand that you're wanting to make more money, we can actually make a certain type of video that's gonna help you essentially reach more customers and make more sales. It's better for you to fail a few times with smaller, less risk type of thing jobs, yep. you know, because a $500 job, things go to shit. It's not gonna be as if. When you start talking about 4K and like the cameras and stuff and the technical side of things is because it's a lack of understanding in terms of like what the value you're actually providing. Ladies and gentlemen, I know I've told you this in the past episodes, but trust me, we managed to log in another legend. Today, I have the pleasure, and you guys as well, to be in a conversation with a freaking master cinematographer, an amazing YouTuber, and the owner of Arise Digital. Please welcome Andrew Murphy. Thank you. <laughs> Happy welcome to be here. Welcome to the show, brother. How <laughs> are so. you? I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. I'm very excited that you managed to find some time to do this because I know how busy you are. I know you're always doing something. You're always either posting YouTube videos, doing client work, helping on set people. Tell us, how do you find time to do all these things, Andrew? Uh, I feel like I don't find time. That's probably the right answer. <laughs> it's one of those things like I, even though I do a lot, I feel like I could still be doing more. Like I feel like everyone's tolerance for busy is mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like for me, it's like even when I'm, you know, working like 10 hour days or 12 hours days, I, it's, I feel like there's still more I could be doing. So I, don't know, it's, it, I just find the time when I can. That's the life of, of being an entrepreneur. Hey, you always feel like you're behind. You never get to a point where I don't, I don't think I, I can ever remember a time where I've been like, I got everything I needed done. There's always something on the to-do list. And if it's not there, I didn't want it to put it in there to get myself stressed. Yeah. <laughs> or, so, or like forgot about it. And then yeah. like two months later, you'll be like, oh man, <laughs> I should have done that two months ago. Completely, completely. Um, but for people that have no idea uh, who you are, can mm -hmm. you give us a little summary of who you are, what you do, and how do you got here? Okay. Uh, so yeah, so I am, my name's Andrew Murphy. I am a cinematographer from Gold Coast in Australia. Um, and I run a video production agency called Arise Digital. Um, basically, we service uh, tech brands and we help them reach more customers through high converting videos. So that's kind of like the business side of things. And then in terms of my personal brands, so I've been running my YouTube channel more consistently for the past probably five years. Um, I did start it back in 2010. 10 or that 29 crazy. Yeah. yeah so you're a, a legit og yeah it's i think because i think it came out in like 2009 or something so yeah yeah it, it was just interesting though when it first came out i kind of like started watching and i was like this is kind of cool and then i was kind of getting into like being doing creative stuff um and then i was kind of like oh it'd be cool to just kind of like try and make videos and i was watching people like um ray william johnson and those guys that were kind of like making their own like i guess like tv show but on youtube so it's kind of like i was trying to like 
imitate kind of what they were doing and then trying yeah. to try to find my style as well. Yeah. Yeah. So back then wasn't cool to be a YouTuber. Not no. like today, because today you tell people you you're a YouTuber and people are like, that's so cool and blah blah blah. But back then wasn't as cool. What what made you get started with it? Because it, it'll be pretty scary back then, even when I got into it. Um when I got into it was around 2016. Yeah. And even then it was like I'll hesitate to tell people that I was doing that thing because it'll be like, like I remember some even friends saying like how stupid I was for yeah, yeah. doing that, you know. So, uh, what inspired you to do it and push through when people will tell you like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> so it's actually funny. So I started and I didn't tell anyone. So I your little secret. Yeah, so I would, I'm a YouTuber. I would do it on my day off, which was a Thursday, I think. I can't, don't even know why I remember that, but it was a Thursday. And like, I would wait till my parents left to go to work and then I would set everything up, film it. And if they like came home early, I'd like quickly pack everything down. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> like you were doing something illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was like, yeah, like you saying, back in the day, it wasn't a big thing. And these people that were doing it, like they, they, they weren't really making a lot of money when mm. they first started, when the um, platform first started. Um, so it was kind of like, it was one of those things where it just wasn't very widely accepted. To, even thinking about like now as a job, like it's crazy that people have like full-time incomes out of it sort of thing. But back then, like it wasn't even a thing. It was just kind of like a hobby and stuff. So I guess I, I just, I guess I, I realized that I was engaging with it so much and I was kind of like, I like what people are putting out. And I was kind of like, why don't I just do the same thing, just start uploading stuff. And like when I first started, it was, it was pretty trash stuff. Like it was just kind of like me talking smack and like doing like weird little videos and talking about gear and stuff. It was, it was always, it was always uh, around the kind of like, I guess like photo and filmmaking. Mm. Um, but it basically got to the point where I, I, it actually started growing. It was actually interesting looking back at the data. So it, it actually did start to grow, but I was very like self-conscious back then. Mm. So I was kind of like wanting this, I guess like feedback from the audience that they were enjoying what I was putting out and that, I could like continue to do mm. it. Like it was very based on, I'll keep putting stuff out if you keep like, uh, I guess like engaging with me. Yeah. And I was kind of like, I was putting stuff out and it kind of, the engagement kind of slowed down as it does with social media platforms yeah. and stuff. And then I was kind of like, then I would, instead of posting like every week, then it would be like every two weeks and then it would slow down even more because mm. then I'd post consistently and then it would be like every four weeks. Classic. And then it got to the point where it was just like, I just wasn't getting any engagement and I just kind of mm. like stopped because I, I think, I think just like self-consciously I was like, I felt like I was, putting myself on the line and no one mm. was kind of like taking me seriously. So I mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. decided to pull the pin. And that was, that was maybe like only like a year or two years into it. And then mm-hmm. I had a massive gap yeah. between like starting it up again. Yeah. And, and it seems like you got very lucky to know from the start what your niche was or the type of videos that you wanted to be making. Cause for me, for example, even today I'm still, not like 100% sure of the type of content of niching down because that's that's one of the biggest things you should do if you want to really grow right like you need to play with the algorithm and the platform um, so they can know who to serve your videos to you know and make sure that it's the right people so you keep retention and click to rate and all this stuff um, so you how do you get into filmmaking how do you get so passionate about it so 
when I I th- I've been like thinking about this and like being on a few other podcasts and stuff and like talking through this. I think what what <laughs> little actually, therapy session, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I've been talking through this, yeah, but but because I, I, yeah. you just don't really, I just, well, I don't really think about it that often, yeah. so it's been good to kind of like go back and go yeah. back through that. But I think what actually stemmed it is when I was growing up all through my childhood, my dad had a video camera and he filmed everything, so it's kind of like I've got this massive, like, catalog of I guess like my whole life basically documented. And it's cool, not that I very like rarely go back and actually check it out, but it's just cool being like, oh, like here's me when I was three and like at a birthday party. That is and here's, so cool. Yeah, and I think just like growing up with that and kind of always having the camera around and seeing that it was like kind of like documenting what was happening, mm-hmm. I think that's what kind of, I guess, inspired me to start doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was like a conscious thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like, I just liked making stuff. But I think it was like subconsciously because I had had all this kind of like filming going on in my life, it just kind of like pushed me into that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think I like the medium that it's like you can film something and then it's like immortalized forever sort of thing. And I, I it feels like even now when I make videos for YouTube, it's like, oh, it's not that great. But then like, you, you look back in 12, 24, 36 months time and you're like, that's actually like really cool when you can see where you've been and where you're mm-hmm, coming to mm-hmm. and stuff. It's, 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 I find it really hard to appreciate it like in the moment, mm-hmm. but then after time when you kind of like watch it back, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, it's not very often when as a creator, as a filmmaker, you make something and then you're like, I'm so proud of this. Like I killed it. You know, like it's like it usually takes time for you to reflect back or a fair amount of feedback for sure to know that. Yeah, I did kill it. I think I've got like maybe like two videos that I've ever made that I'm like, even to this day, I'm like, that's actually really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Like I, I think there's one piece that I knew from the get-go, like regardless of anything, I was so proud of it, the documentary I made. It took so much freaking work and like failing at many stages of it, you know, like such a massive piece of of content, you know, that when eventually it got done and looking back and having the feedback of a couple people, I'm like, I got something good here, you know. I feel like as well, like when you... Like, I noticed this with my... I'll speak from personal experience. I feel like when I look back on content, it's kind of like I appreciate it for different reasons than I did initially. Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm making, say, like, a YouTube video, it might be like, oh, yeah, this is a cool bit of tech and I like, I just want to, like, test it out. Mm-hmm. But then, like, if I look back in 12, 24 months' time, it's like, oh, this is actually, like, a very vital bit of information that's going to help a lot of people when they're kind of, like, coming up through their, like, career or something. Mm-hmm. But, like, maybe not in the time when I'm making I don't really, like, understand that that's what it's kind of like made for and also as well like even there's some videos like you make and it's like it's not great like it's like the color grading is bad or the editing yeah. is bad or something but then like looking back you kind of like you appreciate it for what it what it is mm-hmm. and i feel like as well like sometimes there's videos where like i look back in 12 months time and i'm like that's terrible but then like say in like four or five years it's like i actually really like it now because yeah. it's like I, yeah you appreciate what it is yeah sometimes it, it takes a little time as well to grow in to love something i've had that happen many times as well where i make a video i'm like oh it could be way better i wish i did this i i should do that whatever and then you ended up releasing it and l- later on you look back and you're like actually that was pretty cool like yeah, yeah. And, and it's like you said like it's not about the result in the end because if you if you're chasing just results there's someone that will have a better result than yours right so it's about the journey about about 
enjoying every step of the process and there's nothing cooler than just looking back I'm at a year ago even a year ago I looked some at some of my videos and stuff I'm like damn I've grown quite a lot you know like so yeah it's all about enjoying the journey you did recently a podcast with a couple of your friends Jason and Tanya yep. just shoot me podcast you guys should definitely listen to that episode so I want to try to cover different stuff yeah. so we get the best out of Andrew today Andrew speak to me about being a creative entrepreneur how has that journey been what when do you got started like when was the first time you got paid you did like a wedding for a cousin or something you mentioned on their podcast but like how did the journey starts because like how much were you getting paid and how did it start evolving to something that was actually sustainable so uh yeah so i think it was like 20 i think i finished uni 2012 so it would have been 20 14 2013 2014 um and i was working at Kmart tire and auto it was just kind of like a gap year after uni because i just kind of like got burnt out at uni and didn't want to go into like that creative field um so then uh yeah i just one day i just kind of got sick of it and i was just like i'm just gonna quit and like start my own business and i was in the mindset that i feel like a lot of videographers are in is that if you're just really good technically you can just start a business and you just kill it but then I realized very quickly that it's like you have to know how to run a business. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. for the first 12 months, I just kind of like just winged it and we was just all like trying to get referrals. And mm -hmm. like, I didn't even really like go out and try like talk to people and get like clients. I was just kind of like, I have a really good portfolio. Like why don't people know about me sort yeah, of thing? Yeah. And I feel like that's where a lot of people like are and they, they need to always like build out that business stuff. So after the first year, I lost a lot of money just didn't understand and then uh i think it was one of my mates uh he was kind of like encouraged me to uh to like get a business coach and mm -hmm. actually learn about like how to run a business and how to acquire customers and how to like do your taxes and all that kind of stuff so i had a business coach uh i think probably probably about nine or ten months or something and that was oh, really okay. good because they they were at a they kind of like taught the basics so it's kind of like how to you know, uh, yeah, like find customers, how to, mm. I guess, like, like send invoices. It was like, it was, it was nothing to do with actually like video. It was just like the core thing. So it was kind of like, they kind of taught me like, if you want to say have one new customer a week, it's like, you have to make X amount of phone calls because obviously you're not going to sell everyone that comes through. And then it's like, mm -hmm. if you have to make, say, say, let's say to, 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 onboard one customer you have to make five phone calls and it's like mm -hmm. okay to make to get five phone calls you then have to be reach out to you know like 10 15 20 people and it's like kind of breaking it down into like uh, a structure that's like uh like more like math based rather mm -hmm. than like i don't know i just need to find more customers somewhere so that really helped in terms of like structuring the business mm -hmm. um and i did that for a bit and kind of like things started to to roll over but then i feel like i got into a stage where I got complacent and I started getting busy and I had like a really good referral system and then I like really took my foot off the gas. Mm. And then I realized um, that when I actually moved over to the Gold Coast, so that was in 2019, I think it was 2022 now. Yeah, 2019. Before COVID? Just, yeah, like literally yeah. a week before COVID. Yeah, okay, so uh, maybe probably yeah, 2019, 2020. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, when I, when I moved over from WA to Gold Coast, and that's when I really realized that, you know, like, um, 
I don't have any structure in place to actually like get new clients because it was just mm. all referrals and it was all through agencies. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as you get like come to a new city and you don't know anyone, and it's like then COVID hit as well. And like I couldn't meet people, I couldn't go out socializing yeah. stuff. So it's like yeah. I'm trying to run a business with no lead gen source, no way of kind of like yeah. meeting new people. And then that that kind of like it took me a while to realize that I need to like kind of start figuring that out yeah but that really solidified like you need to know just like the basics of business i guess like Mm -hmm. no matter what you're doing and i guess like if you whether you're a videographer or Mm. like a gardener or whatever Mm. it's like you can love what you do like obviously you're passionate about doing the thing but if you want to run the business side of things you have to understand how to run a business as well as you know doing the work yeah and and i think as as creatives, it takes so long, right, to put those pants of like, I'm I'm not just a filmmaker, I'm a business owner. You know, it took so many years for me, and I feel like I finally solidified that that new belief. You know, this year, like this year, and um, it's paying off because, like, compared to even last year, I, in, in four months, four or five months that we have so far on the financial year, I already made more money than my entire last financial year. Yeah. So it put things into perspective. My skills, yeah, they're, they're, they're better because you just continue to get better the more you do. But I, I wouldn't say I'm like three times better than I was. But my business skills are like 10 times better than what they were, yeah. you know, so, and that just translates into money, not just into money, into like better clients, easier um, closing as well when you have someone coming on the door and all this stuff. So, yeah, I think the sooner you realize like the business side is more important than the skills, sure. the quicker you will be able to make a living with what you love. Sure. And I, f- I feel like that's, it's kind of, it, it, like it's hard that a lot of people have to find it out the hard way. Mm-hmm. But it's like, when you think about it, it's like, if you're passionate about something, it's like, and you're doing it for someone else, then you realize that you're getting paid, you know, like 25 bucks an hour to make someone a ton of money. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, why would I work for them when I can do this for myself and make the money that they're making? Not considering that, you know, like, if I then go to do it myself, I can't just do the work. I have to do all the back end stuff as yeah. well. So, yeah. And th- and that's the other thing, like, before uh, that I would tell someone to before pursuing that thing that you wanted to pursue or start a business, like, first have some money in the bank because I don't know about you, but I did it the crazy way. I just went nuts on emotion. And I was like, I, I had an event happening. Like, I, I had the loss of someone dear to me. And it was the second time I lost someone that meant a lot to me, that made me, you know, stop the hands away and be like, why am I waiting to have, because in my head, like most people, that was like, oh, until I have X amount of money in my bank, that's when I will do it. You know, when this and this and this, that's when I'll do it. And then you quickly realize like, life is not stopping, buddy. Like, and, and you have plans, but life has different plans to yours, you know? So when you think you have so- the handle or something, it will punch you right in your face and be like, no, that's not what you're doing. This is what we're doing, you know? So you got to do, be able to adapt, but take, take a, like have some risk management, you know, like I've made a lot of risky decisions that I managed to pull them through, but I would say that, that, you know, like don't go that crazy. Like take some time. You really want to quick, make a plan. 
you know, things don't happen by accident. That, that, like you can't rely on, on luck. Luck is not predictable. So you have to have some sort of plan in place, you know, like maybe it's not having 20K saved because your life and your expenses don't really need 20K, but at least, you know, figure out, you know, if you, if, if, it goes to worse. You don't. You can't sell. Depending on what you're doing, if you, you can't sell your service or your product, and you won't have any clients, customers, whatever, can can you survive for six months? You know things like that. Like having those things in place. Do you had any plan when you when you decided to pursue it? Yeah. So I had some savings. So I think the first year I lost like twenty thousand dollars something, mm-hmm. which thankfully it's like I had savings, and then obviously like I was making. I think I made like twenty. 27,000. I think I made like 18,000 the first year, mm-hmm. but like my expenses were like 40K or something. So, <laughs> so it's, like, it's like, it's not, not super <laughs> profitable. Yeah. So, can I invest in you? Yeah. So, so after that, that, that that's when I was kind of like, okay, well, if I keep continuing down this path, then yeah. it's, it's not going anywhere. And obviously, like, I clearly don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I need to find someone who does. And I feel like back then, it was kind of like, I didn't value investing in like coaches and stuff, mm-hmm. but I feel like the more, more so recently, like this year, I've realized that um, I would prefer to pay someone to save me time mm-hmm. and like pay someone like a lot of money if it's going to save me a lot of time. Because like, it's just like, there's, I don't know if you heard of this thing where it's like, you obviously like, there's stuff you know, you know, there's stuff you know, you don't know, mm-hmm. but then there's also stuff you don't know that you don't know yeah so it's like if you don't know that you don't know it then how are you ever going to figure it out so that's when you need someone on the outside to be able to look at your business and go okay this is where your holes are this is where Mm -hmm. we can patch stuff because again like you're just blinded to it it's like Mm -hmm. if you don't get help you will just never be able to fix the issues. Mm. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, hey, like not knowing what you don't know. Um, and, and yeah, for example, when I, I recently went to a workshop with Chris Doe, you know, I'm on my way there with Guillaume. Um, I, I was just thinking like, I just want to know what I don't know. That's exactly what I was thinking because then that opens your mind to a new perspective and a new way to approach the problems that you have at hand, right? And Alex Ormos is also big on that. Like he, everything I listen to, he keeps saying like, pay people that are experiencing whatever skill you're trying to acquire to just fast track you. How much money you have spent this year on education? Because when you told me this, (laughs) it blew my mind. I was saying like 30... $35,000, on coaching. Well, break it down for us. What kind of stuff have you invested in education and which ones paid off and which ones um, you would say like, oh, probably I, I should have not buy that. Or- yeah, so I'm doing, uh, I'm currently part of a 12-month coaching um, course, which is group coaching. And it's been good. I've got a lot out of it. Um, but what I'm realizing is like, I'm not getting the support that I feel like I need to be able to like really um, excel faster. And mm-hmm. it's not like it's nothing to do with the program. It's just that obviously like I, I went into a group course rather than like a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So only in the last like say month, um, I've hired a one-on-one marketing coach mm-hmm. because again, like I was chatting to him. He's actually one of my mates from back in Perth. I've known him for a while, but I was chatting to him and he's like, there's just no point you jumping into our group coaching program because like you just won't get, what you're wanting to get out of it so he's like let's do one-on-one and then it's like each week we can just sit down and go this is what your checklist is Mm -hmm. and these are the steps you have to put in place to be able to grow your business to the next level 
Mm-hmm. And especially as well, like I've done a lot of coaching, but there's still, there's just stuff that I just forget about. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm not a business expert. Whereas mm-hmm. like if you bring someone in who knows how to teach people to grow their business, they have like a framework and a structure that actually works. Mm-hmm. So they know what you need to do and where you are and what, what the next steps are to get you to the next level. Mm-hmm. So is it in, just between those courses? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, you said like they're like the guy told you like you're not gonna get what you want. What is it that you want? So I need I need the one on one support. I've noticed just for like kind of like my personality type. Mm-hmm. So like obviously in group settings, it's like the group ones are more like you go through their program and then you can kind of like ask little questions here and there. And you so like some weeks you just other people ask questions because you mm-hmm. only have like a certain amount of time with mm-hmm. with the coach. And obviously like they have to divide their time between X amount of people that are in like their group coaching um, sessions. So um, yeah, just from that, I was kind of like, I would love just each week for someone to be like, here is four things you need to do this week. And it's like, just get these done. Mm. And it's just like, it's just easy for me. I don't have to think too much. Um, And I know that as long as I keep putting in these steps and keep hitting these like goals or like checklists and stuff, Mm. then I'm going to move the business in the right direction. Yeah, you're going to keep moving uh, the needle. Let's provide some value to people. From all this money you have put in these courses this year, summarize to us the three biggest lessons you have gotten away from these two three courses. Three biggest lessons. Like that, things that you'll say, yeah, it paid off just by learning these three things. I think uh, number one would have to be um, selling stuff at high prices is all about mindset. Because it's not like it's, and I think that that's from the group coaching, that's the number one thing I've got is I just, I wasn't confident enough to say like, go to, to go to a client and be like, you know, this project's going to be $25,000. Like mm-hmm. when I said that, it was like, like I, I'm, I'm not perfect. Like I'm still kind of like get a little bit nervous, mm-hmm. but I'm not like, I'm not like, <laughs> I think it's like, please, it's $25,000. Like freaking out. I know that feeling, yeah. 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 But just, just like having, having, the coaching around that and them like showing kind of like like the way that the way that they essentially broke it down and, and helped you get through it is like film a project and count your hours and then basically like go through like a standardized like rates list for say like a feature film or something and then go like if you did every single one of these roles and calculate the hours it's like it ends up being like a 10 15 20 thousand dollar project sort of mm-hmm. thing so it's like that helps you realize that what you're actually doing is like worth the amount that like these these big budgets that you're actually providing sort of thing Mm -hmm. and i feel like because like we're going back to if you're a videographer and you don't have the business side of things the only thing you can do is compete on price Mm -hmm. because you have no you know have no differentiating factor sort of thing Mm -hmm. so it's like you go okay it's I don't know, three thousand dollars. Someone's like, I got a two K budget, and you're like, okay, let's do it for two K. Like, and then you do a two K video, and then someone's like, oh, I've only got one K, and you're like, okay, let's just do it for one K. And you're like, you don't, you kind of like, your your price is all dictated by what clients you work with, and mm-hmm. if you keep attracting the wrong clients, then obviously you, your prices are just going to stay where they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So mindset, the the mindset around uh, charging more. Yeah. That's the first one. What are the other two? For sure. Uh, number two would have to be i think um and this is like it's been solidified in my coaching but it's something that alex homozi said which is um which is better more new and essentially it's like everyone does it backwards so it's like if something's not working you try to find a new market or a new audience or a new customer or something and then it's like 
when if that's not working, then you try to do more of it, which is like the exact opposite. Essentially, his theory is if something's not working, just get really good at it. So, get better. So, it's like once you've got as good as you can at doing something, then you can start doing more. And then once you're starting to do more and better at doing the more things, then you can start finding new things. So, his whole theory is like um, one customer, one market, one product. So, it's like choose one product and just dedicate all your time to it and just get... Mm-hmm just provide the most value you can and get the best you can at it. So say, let's just put it into video um, perspectives. Mm. If you just did, I don't know, like social media videos or something. Mm. It's like just get the best you can at making social media videos. And then once you're like the best at it and you're building like a bit of a client base, then go, okay, we do social media videos and we also do brand videos. Or something. Like, you know, like start expanding the services that you offer. Mm-hmm. And then once you've obviously like got really good at... Uh, all the services and you expanded, then that's where you can start going, okay, that thing's working now. Let's move into like potentially a new business or a new venture or something like that. Yeah, okay. So the second one is pretty much niching down, like finding what's the right project that the project or product or service that you can commit fully to in order to better serve people and your community and and getting more clients what's the third one i'd say so i'd say number two i I think number three is more about target market and ideal customer stuff number two i guess is around like it's just like choose what you want and just go all in on it like Mm -hmm. stop getting distracted by the like shiny object syndrome and just going Mm -hmm. oh this isn't working so i'll try something new and then this isn't working i'll try something new Mm -hmm. and then number three in terms like ideal customer and niching down and stuff is it's all about focus so I think a lot of people people get confused about niching as in like I don't want to just target like I don't I don't just want to work for one person like I want to help a lot of people mm-hmm. but the problem is is that when you try help everyone you're actually not helping anyone at all because your messaging and your marketing and your communication is just unclear because like if I if I was talking to so like a gardener and a ballerina it's not going to be the same conversation sort of thing so how can you expect to communicate to everyone in the same tone of voice and same messaging and stuff when everyone speaks in their own way sort of thing Mm -hmm. yeah completely agree um i want to go back to something you mentioned that is a scenario that we all have encountered at some point um when it's like a client calls and he's like hey i have this really cool project blah 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 oh yeah that's gonna cost three thousand dollars we only have a, a thousand and then, you know, you go like, yeah, okay, we'll do it for a thousand. Um, so how do you get out of that trap? Because it like, I think that's one of the most common scenarios that happens to, to uh, filmmakers and photographers and creatives in general that you have, you know, how's, how much you should be charging or, or maybe you don't know yet because if you knew you actually will be charging that but you have an idea that that project is not a grant but you end up taking the project um so what why do we do this why where do we fall in this trap and how can we get out of it so what i've understood and this is like from my coaching and stuff like learning this stuff is that mm-hmm. essentially it's like you if you don't know how to price yourself and you don't know what the value you're providing to your customer, you'll then basically fit whatever you can to meet their budget. Because essentially it's like, if you're providing enough value, then there's no reason why someone wouldn't pay it. Like people mm-hmm. buy expensive shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, 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 you are. Please, please do. <laughs> but it's like, it's like it's say, say again, it was like, it's a $10,000 project and you're like, oh, it's a lot of money. It's like, yeah, but you drive around a fucking $70,000 Land Rover sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like people mm-hmm. spend a lot of money all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just is 
the value that you're providing in proportion or above whatever you're charging. And like nine times out of 10, if someone is trying to get a lower price, it's because they just don't see the value that you're providing. And that can, and the interesting thing is like a lot of filmmakers, they're doing killer stuff. Like their product is amazing, but nine times out of 10, they just don't know how to explain it in a way that the, the actual like client or customer understands it in like value terms, I guess. Yeah. And who the terms determines value? The client. You don't determine the value. Um, so that that's an important uh, point of distinction. You know, it's not a, it's not about charging fifty thousand dollars to a project or whatever just because of the sake of saying the number. You have to. I broke it down a little bit with Guillaume on the episode, but basically, you know, start with uh, you know the how much is it gonna cost you? Like you were saying, you know, if you were to hire people, even if it's just yourself doing the job, like you're gonna do photography, you're gonna do videos, you're gonna do a uh, lighting, you need three cameras to make it happen, you need a drone. How much will it cost you? If you were to hire all that gear, if you were to hire all those people, and then also like your whatever expenses you have, if it's, you know, renting the place, it, the fuel, um, insurance, subscriptions, all these things, the overheads, um, your taxes as well. Um, and then also adding profit, which is something that I think not many people do. And yeah. even, even myself, like I, I've, I didn't do it for the longest time. I added some profit margin as well. But then after that, everything co- goes to the, the conversation with the client. So then you can define value because the minute you stop selling videos is when you will actually make more money. You're not selling. The videos is just a vehicle to help the client get from point A to point B and or the travel destination. I think you probably have heard this example as well. For, I think you, Alex Ramosi uses it all the time. Like you don't want to sell the plane to the customer. You want to sell Hawaii. You want to sell, you know, the beach and the coconut and the experience once they're there. It's the same for a video. You want to, you don't want to tell the client, oh, we're going to use 4K and we're going to use the latest lens. And guess what? We have some lighting going on as well. They don't care. They don't, they really don't care. They want to get to Hawaii. So it's like how through your skill, you can help the client get to the from point a to point b videos is just the vehicle 100%. Um, i feel like as well like and what i've noticed as well is when you when you start talking about 4k and like the cameras and stuff and the technical side of things it's because it's a lack of understanding in terms of like what the value you're actually providing mm-hmm. and this is and like i hopefully i've done this for probably yeah. like like the last whatever, like six out of seven years. Because yeah. I've And it's only been this year that I've kind of started like Same. breaking it down and being like, Same. what am I actually providing to the customer? Because like, it's, it's like, it's like the whole thing. It's everyone comes to you and they're like, I want a video. And it's like, cool. What do you actually want? Because yeah. you don't actually yeah. want a video. It's like yeah. someone's just told you, oh, you need a branding video. And it's like, okay, cool. But then that's, that's where, and this is where value comes in as well. It's like, mm-hmm. if someone goes to you and they go, I want a three minute video and you go, it's a thousand dollars. And like, I've got 500. You're like, okay, cool. Like you're, you're pricing it at a point where it's like, it's just, they're just shopping around. Mm-hmm. Whereas they come to you and they're like, I want a brand video. And you're like, okay, let's jump on a call. Let's actually work out what your business does. Let's figure mm-hmm. out what you actually want this video to do. Because like a lot of these businesses don't actually understand why they need it. And it might not be the thing that they actually need. Mm-hmm. Like if they come to you with something, like, I want a brand video and it's like, what do you struggle with? It's like, I'm struggling to get more customers. It's like, 
well, you don't need a brand video. You need an ad to get in front of people to mm. bring in more customers sort of thing. But yeah. unless you have that conversation, you can't start like educating them and, and providing solutions as well. Mm. Because again, it's like if they come to you and this is, I feel like this is where when um, videographers start out and they start um, working with clients and they come to they work with them once and they just disappear and they just ghost. Mm. It's just because it's like, you're giving them something that they want, but you're not actually giving them the result or the outcome that they're actually wanting. Mm-hmm. Whereas it'd be like, if you had that hard conversation and you're like, you don't actually need this, you need this, mm-hmm. then you do it for them and you get them a result, then they're going to actually like respect you and, and, mm-hmm. and thank you more for it and more than likely come back and want more. Yeah, completely. And, you know, you nailed it with, it, with everything you said. And it, it like the minute you start implementing value-based pricing, it changes the whole dynamic of your relationship and conversations with clients, you know, and it takes practice, mind you, like, uh, like even now I have had quite a few calls talking value-based pricing and all this stuff. And I, I consistently consume content about it, but until you do it, like many, many times, you won't be completely dialed in. And, and it takes practice to ask the right questions you know because that everything comes back to have you asked the right questions when you don't get the job when um it, you know so you like the the client doesn't ask more or something were you asking the right questions you know that it normally comes back to that so it's it's mainly about staying curious you know 100%. like like if if a client comes to you then do you want to do a role play I yeah, did one sure. week, you know, let's, let's do one to see. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see um, how different we we all approach it and stuff. All right. So don't break it until until we finish the, the conversation. Okay. Am I the am I the customer or are you the customer? No, no. So I'm the customer. You're okay. trying to sell me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Get Get ready. Design, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be a hard one. I'm going to yeah. be a hard one. Okay. Hey Andrew, how are you, mate? I found you. I found one of your ads. Actually, seems like you you do tech videos or something. Yeah. So uh, yeah, basically we help uh, tech brands reach more customers through high converting videos. So yeah, yeah, awesome, dude. I, I want a video. How much? Uh, I guess it depends on really what you're wanting. Do you want to like let us a bit know? Like, uh, let us know a bit more about kind of like what you guys do. What you offer what kind of products and services you you have yeah mate so look we started a, a phone brand you know and we're trying to take over apple i really think we can um so we have we have our special phone it has a whole bunch of stuff that people have never seen on the market um so i really think we we should i've seen apple and, and they have great videos and i've seen your work and it seems like you could do that for us so yeah but basically we just want a, a video that will show our product that hasn't been released yet um so yeah how, how much for for a video like that so are you like what what if you're saying obviously like you are trying to like compete with apple what makes your product so like different what 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 features and benefits is it like providing to the customer like what well, I, I guess the one i'm trying to ask is like why would a customer buy this phone over say like an apple okay i'm gonna disclose information with you um but basically our our phone doesn't need to be charged the battery is infinite we manage we did it we solve it People don't need cables. You don't need anything. We have infinite reception. It works anywhere in the world. Nothing of bullshit, you know, phone service or signal reception. Those days are gone. Our phone will work anywhere 
you are. Um, yeah, so th those are two of the main features we have. So yeah, awesome. I, I was thinking, you know, we could have maybe like a video in the middle of the forest or something, somewhere, maybe even in, in the middle of Australia on the desert. And yeah, like just coming as a tourist or something. And, and then you realize you have reception everywhere. How cool, you know? So, so yeah, how, how much for that? Like, well, I guess it, it really depends on kind of like how we're going to uh, film the commercial. But it sounds like essentially you're, you're solving the main problem, which a lot of people have, which is that, you know, every night you have to charge your phone and it's, you know, sometimes you don't have your cable. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, where, where, mm -hmm. how do you charge your phone? Where do you, mm -hmm. like, and then there's different cable types. So, it's like maybe you're at a friend's house and they don't have the right cable. Mm -hmm. so it's like, and then your phone goes dead. And it's like, when your phone's dead, it's like, how are you, you know, going to stay in contact with mm -hmm. people? What, what if you are in the middle of nowhere and your phone's dead and then you're in an emergency? So essentially it's like, it, it sounds like you're solving a big problem that people are having, which is, yeah, their phone's going flat. And also like when you're in these remote places, especially like, imagine like hikers and stuff. Yeah. Like when they're going out and it's like, and it's like people want to make sure that they're safe and know that they're safe and in an emergency, they want to be able to contact them. It's like, how are they going to kind of do that? So, so it's actually, it's really good. So this is, what's really cool is that you're actually like above and beyond a lot of brands because a lot of brands don't actually know Thank you, yeah. like what their product does. A lot of people, again, just go, oh, our, you know, we have unlimited charging, limited reception, but you're actually diving into the, the more nitty gritty things, which is yeah. like, you know, we're actually helping people stay more connected yeah. and, you know, be less stressed and yeah. like all this cool stuff. So Yes, Andrew, you get us. Like it sounds like, yeah, you understand everything. That we're trying to do so how, m how much for this video so i guess we still have to dive in a little bit deeper because obviously we're starting to learn more about what you are selling mm -hmm. and kind of like who your target audience is mm. but like like who like if you could only sell to one person like who would that person be in terms of like if you know their age mm -hmm. kind of like where they live the kind of things they're into like if you could describe that one person mm -hmm. who would that be yeah i'm thinking it has to be young people you know somewhere between 80s and you know 40s like uh, that range of people that are really into tech and and you know one want to be able that they're in in into going outdoors and super athletic and you know they want to make sure that they can communicate with their families and all the stuff because from my own experience the reason we started this company is because i went on a hike with my girlfriend and i lost her you know I mean, she never came back so <laughs> now i was like okay i need to invent the phone that you know, will help people not get lost you know and stay connected like you said so so yeah that like i'm i'm planning on targeting people between those ages um mainly uh, i'm guessing it'll be a lot of athletic people people into hiking sports travelers and things like that um and when the infinite amount of battery you know we can easily fulfill those type of customers because they can go traveling anywhere in the world or go for a really long hike and they, they don't have to think about their their phone's battery well, firstly, apologies for uh, you losing your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> my, my condolences. So, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thank you, Andrew. Like, wow, that was really nice of you. Yeah, so, yeah so, sorry, sorry to hear about that. But okay, um, do, do you mind if I do you mind if I ask you a little bit of a, a little bit of a personal question? But yeah, if you were to think about kind of like where you are now, and if you think about where you would be 
in the next 12 months. I think about where you are in the business and obviously like we're looking to launch this product and kind of Mm. like get some content and stuff made. If nothing changed between now and the next 12 months, how would you feel in 12 months time? Yeah, man. Like like I said, we haven't released the product yet. We just want to get this video done so we can release it. Everything is set in place. Um, but if everything goes well, we're, we're going to sell each phone for $10,000. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our price. So we're hoping we're going to make at least $5 million on, on our first year, at least. So, so yeah, if we make those $5 mil, million or more, we're gonna know that that we achieve the goal. Yeah, awesome. So, so think about it. so say so the plan is to obviously make uh, five million dollars in the next twelve months. Imagine if where you are now, so launching the product. Imagine if in twelve months' time you're still exactly where you are now. So you're still trying to figure out how to launch your product. Nothing has actually happened. How would you feel? in that 12 months time if nothing changed over the next 12 months oh we'll be very disappointed andrew like people literally died for for me to make this happen <laughs> like i said you know so like i i spend a lot of time a lot of money developing this concept i put together a great team yeah staking everything on me to to make this idea come to fruition so yeah i'll be very disappointed if things don't don't happen the way i'm, I'm envisioning yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So basically, um, our process is a little bit different to other other videographers. I'm not sure if you've been shopping around and got other quotes and stuff. Essentially, because we are, are focused and we specialize on helping tech brands reach more customers through high converting videos, we are able to do that because we have um, a special four, four-step framework that we call the cinema framework. Mm-hmm. So essentially what we do is we sit down with a customer and we um, go through our framework. So we, essentially, it's not cinema, it's C-N-M-A. I can show you here. On our screen, you can yeah. see that it's, okay. a, it's an acronym. Yeah. So essentially how we go is we go through it step by step. And by going through these step, um, step by step process, we can guarantee that, you know, we're going to get the client to result because we've done it in the past with other clients. So mm. essentially the first step that we've actually already done is clarify. So we need to learn a bit more about your business mm. and kind of like what you do, your aspirations and your goals and the kind of products that you are actually selling to the market. So we've already done that. The next step is niche. So that is understanding who you're actually targeting. And again, we already talked about this. So Mm -hmm. we know that you're targeting, you know, those kind of like fitness people that are between Mm -hmm. the ages of 18 and 40 Mm -hmm. and the people that, you know, are struggling with, you know, running out of charge, not, you know, not knowing where their next charge is coming from. (laughs) (laughs) Getting getting lost getting lost in the woods, like losing their girlfriend. So (laughs) too soon. So, so, so that so that's the second step with the growth, and we're, we're we're very clear on that. So next step is uh, M, which is match. So now now because we actually understand where you are, the customers that you're wanting to go, and you've also um, explained to us kind of like where your goals and aspirations are for the next uh, mm-hmm. for the next twelve months. So you want to hit that twelve million dollar mark. Your price point is about ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So if we work out that's about let's just say a hundred units a month. Yep, sure. Yeah. Um, so essentially, um, now we know where we're going to go. We can we can go to M, which is match, which is basically now we can actually start talking about how that looks in terms of a content um, strategy plan. So mm. from what you're saying, you obviously wanting to launch the product, you're wanting to keep marketing it through the next 12 months. So we can start in one or two ways. We can either start with a launch video or what we can do is we actually put together plans where we can build out a full marketing campaign. So instead of just having one video to launch it, essentially we can build a launch campaign as well as supporting uh uh, content to then like I'm not sure if you understand like how funnels work and stuff but essentially you're going to bring people in to your business mm-hmm. some people are going to buy some people are not going to buy and there's different kind of like stages that everyone's in so some people will know about your product 
Some people won't. And some people won't even know that mm-hmm. they have a problem to begin with. So mm-hmm. you can't target one person with, with one video. It's kind of like, if you think about this, if you go to the beach and you go fishing, mm-hmm. you kind of, you can't just, you know, take like shrimp and expect to catch sharks, right? Mm-hmm. So you go to the beach with a very specific type of rod, type of bait and type of hook to create, to catch a certain type of fish. Mm-hmm. So we have to think of our marketing like this as well. So essentially we have a certain type of video that's going to target a certain type of person in a certain um, part of their journey. So but by thinking about it this way, we can think about a whole strategy rather than just going like, I just need a video. Because again, like if, if we don't understand the kind of video you need and what you're actually wanting to get mm-hmm. out of this, because it sounds like you're wanting to make more sales and make more money. Mm-hmm. If we can understand that you're wanting to make more money, we can actually make a certain type of video that's going to help you make more, make more, so essentially reach more customers and make more sales. And because we have our four-step cinema framework, mm-hmm. we know that from previous clients, we've actually followed this framework and it's actually made them more sales because they're more high converting videos. Mm-hmm. So for example, we actually worked with a company more recently and, um, we made a, a high converting commercial for them and they launched their product and they made over a million dollars in um, in pre-sales in 60 wow, days. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and that was because we followed our framework and we understood who their audience is, the mm-hmm. benefits their product was actually giving to the market. Mm-hmm. And then we actually just, we basically just compiled that into a video that basically just regurgitated exactly what, what, we have, what we're talking about now. Yeah. Like we showed them someone in the middle of the forest losing their girlfriend. <laughs> So, 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 so essentially, it's 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 like that that that's our whole approach. So then, then obviously we can match. We can we can obviously we need to sit down and kind of go through with our strategy team about the kind of the exact kind of videos that you would need, and then we can actually put that into place. But if you think about it this way, so let's say our, our target is to sell say a hundred units a month, right? Mm-hmm. So if our product is worth ten thousand dollars and we're trying to sell a hundred units a month, mm-hmm. that's on on average we're trying to make. A million dollars a month in revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, like if we were to launch a campaign and we were to sell a hundred units a month and we were to make a million dollars a month, like what would that feel like? Oh, that would be incredible! Like, what well, I will know, we we will be on track to to our goal. Yeah, so that's exactly what we want. Yeah, yeah cool. So, so if we were to be able to launch a campaign and say, say on average, we would we were selling a hundred units a month. We would over the twelve months, we'd hit out. You know, you'd, you'd make twelve million dollars, sort of thing. So you'd smash out your five million dollar goal, mm-hmm. and you'd well and exceed that. So if we were, if our goal was to sell a hundred units a month, and we were trying to make a million dollars a month, like would it be reasonable to say that you know this campaign, like a video that we make, is worth twenty five thousand dollars? If the end result is to essentially make you, on average, a million dollars a month for the next twelve months. Wow, twenty five thousand dollars because I'm gonna be honest. What we really had in mind was a thousand dollar video. So, wow, twenty five is it's a lot more than than the budget we have for this. So if you think about it, like I remember you saying at the start of this conversation that you are trying to compete with Apple, right? Mm-hmm. So so if you think about Apple, like just let's just throw out some numbers. What what kind of numbers do you think they'll be spending on their campaigns to be able to make the the billions of dollars that they're making sort of thing mm. like like, like do, do, would would you imagine that they're spending a thousand dollars on videos to make you know like you're like you, like you've seen them you've seen the quality mm-hmm. they're doing you've seen mm-hmm. how how big the scale is like do you think that someone would be able to make that kind of video for a thousand dollars yeah no that now that you mention it it seems like their videos will be way more expensive than that actually now that you put it into perspective um but yeah like unfortunately our budget is just for a thousand dollars 
So, so what we can do is there's a couple of things we can do. So obviously, like because our on on average our campaigns range from you know fifteen to fifty thousand dollars. But we, from what you've told me and kind of like what your goals are, we think that a twenty five thousand dollar video is kind of like will give us enough leeway to be able to create a meaningful campaign that's actually going to target your your audience and actually get you the results you want. Because if you think about it this way, like we could do a video for a thousand dollars, but all we're doing is we're just basically like diminishing what we can do, and we're not actually going to get to get the results that you're wanting like mm. like like and, and we we don't want to do that with our customers we want to mm. work with people that actually want to put in the the effort and the time and get the results they want because mm. again like i could take your thousand dollars and we can make a video and we could just get you no sales but it's mm. not actually going to help you get towards your goal right mm. so there's a couple of different things we can do so there's two options so basically we do offer this to all our clients so we have an option where we can do uh, two partial payments so we can split it in two mm. or what we can do is we have a rev share model so essentially if you can't afford it now we have to obviously like dive in to make sure that you are a brand that we want to work with what we can do is we can basically have a smaller upfront cost but then on the back end, we take a percentage of all sales. So say, let's say for example that uh, we we charged you a thousand dollars upfront, and that kind of helps us cover some of the costs. But then what we'll do is we'll take say uh, a five percent of all your revenue for the next twelve months. Mm, wow. Okay, five percent of of the twelve million. Yeah. Is this guaranteed? Yeah, so, so essentially it's like we don't get paid unless you get paid sort of thing. So mm. until you start making money, you don't have to start paying us. But, but think about it this way. It's like say if, if best case scenario, we made you the $12 million over the next 12 months mm-hmm. and we take our 5% cut. So we're taking 600000 So essentially mm. if we took our cut, we're taking, you know, you're going to be paying us $600,000 over the next 12 months. Yeah, right. That's wow, that's a lot of money, but when you put it into that perspective, it seems like very little compared to how much we'll make. Look, I'm going to be honest, the most we can do for this is $5,000. Could could we uh, get this video and this campaign for $5,000? So I I'm understand where you're coming from. I know where you want to go, and I feel like at this stage um, in where the business is, you're probably not uh, the best fit for us as a brand because uh, unfortunately, like the content that we make, it's just like we we need a minimum amount of resources to be able to put in the time to be able to get our clients results. But I know a few other people that are kind of like doing these smaller projects and they can help you get the result. It won't be as good a result because they're kind of like they're just getting started out in their journey. And because we've been doing this for mm. the last seven years, we've been helping our clients actually get the results that they're wanting. But again, like if this is where you are, I can help you point you in the direction to get a cheaper option if that's what you're wanting to do with, with your videos. Oh, Andrew, but it feels like you really get us. And I, I really like your work. I've seen it now that I'm meeting you on the phone. You sound so cool that you get all of this and that you're the right fit for us. Like, could it, what if we push it to 8,000? Could we make it work for 8,000 this campaign? So, so I guess we could, but again, like thinking about this, like what, going back to your end result, if, if you were to see where you are now and you're about to launch the product and then again, going back to in 12 months time, if nothing changed, because again, like we could, we could make a video for it for you, but if it doesn't get the result you're ultimately after, you're going to be in the exact same issue. You're actually going to be in a worse space than where you are now because you still haven't launched your product and you've just spent $8,000 on a video that hasn't actually got you what you want. So, so if we go back to that, it's like, is it worth spending $8,000 to potentially maybe get a result 
or would you rather spend the right amount of money and allow us to to put in the time to actually follow our framework to be able to get the result that you're wanting yeah you're right but I'm just thinking like it it's not that hard right like you you're just gonna get your camera and and you know like film whatever idea concept we have for it so like I'm pretty sure for eight thousand you can make it work yeah I mean I mean if it is really easy and and obviously like this is no offense to you but like like potentially like you might want to do it yourself because again like because we've been doing this over the last seven years and we've invested in the time and the resource to be able to make these campaigns for our customers like we, we know what works and we know what doesn't it's kind of like if if I was to you know start taking up pottery I don't know what works and what doesn't and I could figure it out but it's probably going to take me a lot of time and a lot of mistakes to be able to learn all those things but thankfully over the last seven years we've made all those mistakes and basically what we're doing is we're compiling all the data that we've we've got from all our customers campaigns and we're putting into again this step-by-step process and we know that as long as we follow this process and we've been doing this for our customers in the past we understand that we're going to get them the result thereafter look andrew uh, i've tried i've tried and it seems like um we're not the right fit right now um so yeah, you sure you don't want to take the eight thousand dollars to do this campaign for us? Because we're gonna be huge, and honestly, we c- we could even pay you in some exposure, you know. So. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure, like you know, you like you want to have some exposure of us, you know. I haven't even told you the name of the brand, but it's watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we thought a watermelon is bigger than apple, so why not? Yeah, so, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I bet you will want some exposure from watermelon and $8,000. Okay. I mean, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, but I, I think at this stage, I'm kind of like where you are and kind of like where we're going. I feel like it might be a better option for us to to um, hand you off and give you some resources and kind of like some cheaper options. Because again, like like if we're not going to want to go down that professional route and compete with like the big boys and Apple and stuff, you it might be better to, at this stage in the business, I'm not saying that it's going to change later, but it might be better for us to go down a cheaper route. And we, we're more than happy to send you some resources to be able to to be able to get the product that you're wanting okay andrew i'll take one of your resources and i appreciate you taking the time to refer us to someone else but when we get a bigger budget we'll definitely get back to you on it sounds good appreciate it cole you bye <laughs> nelson i got a, i got a job for you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> Don't be that friend. Don't refer the shitty the shitty clients to your friends. First of all, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was a great performance. Man, like sweaty. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I have to. Wow, take off the hat. Everything. Tough, wow, tough customer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went hard on you. I was like really pushing for the price. So, so there's a few things. If we let's break it down for yeah, people, sure. right? What what just happened? Because this is like a almost a a. a very common case scenario it just presents itself in in different ways um but basically you have a client that comes with a very low budget for the kind of result that they expect to get and then they're just pushing 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 for the price you see how i was all my questions will end up with how much how much how much because that happens 
all the time. So it's very important to not go back to price. Remember, you're not competing on price. So it doesn't matter how much it's gonna be, and you you shouldn't even know just yet how much you're gonna charge because you don't you don't have enough information yeah. to make it happen. So you did a great job at that. I've, I've just keep deflecting the question and just getting more into the conversation, building the report as well. That was very nice work. Very nice work. The way yeah. like the kind of questions you were asking, how you were reflecting me where I was saying, which is another great technique as well, when you're negotiating or explaining something to someone, it's almost like you ask the questions, they give you the information, and then you reflect the information back to make sure that you're both on the same page, which you did fantastically. Um, you were like keeping me like, yeah, so this is what you said, this is what you expect, is this correct? Like almost like verifying the information and getting me even more excited because I'm like, I feel like I'm talking, like I, I was literally like getting into the, the client's shoes, you know, and I was like, fuck, this guy really gets me. You know, he's listening, he's paying attention. Not like Johnny from the corner that I called and he's like, how much for the video? And he just said $500, yeah. you know, like, and then, uh, yeah, sweet. I'll call the next one. You know, you're not competing on price. So don't, don't like deflect the question. Just keep asking more questions. And eventually, you know, you find out uh, something very important which was like about in this case a product um but because we're talking about this type of customer like you make me figure out maybe not figure out because i probably will know that at that stage but what were the the highlights of what will make my product different from the rest right that, that was a key question and then you led it to what kind of result I want to get you know and and put it into numbers because that's the other thing like how, how how much you expect how many units would you expect to sell how much money are you expecting to make because it's plainly not fair for you to be charging a thousand dollars for a video when that video is gonna make 12 million dollars yeah. like it's completely different to to make a video for that than to making a video for kale from the corner that sells donuts you know yeah. like like it's completely different scenarios and and clients um, so then you made me realize the outcome. You made me put numbers already. So you're already in a way anchoring as well, because we're talking big numbers instead of like me coming with this thousand dollar budget, you're already explaining to me how much money I'm going to get out of this if this goes the right way. Yeah. Right. And then bringing it to a very reasonable price. Cause when you put it in context, like what's 25,000 for making 12 million, that's literally nothing, right? Yeah. It's absolutely nothing. So I don't, I didn't want it to give in because like normally, like I, by that stage of the conversation, I was already like, yeah, this makes completely sense. I have to spend 25K to get this this type of result. Yeah. But I'm just trying to play in devil's advocate so you guys could get a, a bit more information because now we're getting in another uh, stage of, diff of, of different conversations, of different experiences that you can have with a client, which is the client that comes with a very shitty budget and it's just really pushing for you to do it for that budget, you know? Um, and then we moved in to you giving me options, which that was great. Because one thing that I used to do, um, for example, was completely shutting down the conversation at that stage, like I will be like, oh look, like straight going for like, unfortunately I can't, we can't do it for that price kind of thing. 
but you went for the options first. And this is something that we got refreshed on the Crystal Workshop recently, Guillaume and I, that is like, always keep options to the client. That's much better than just shutting the door, unless someone is being like completely disrespectful or something like that. But you gave me options. You were like, we can charge you something up front or, and we take a commission later on, which is a shitload of money. And like, as a business, you will want that, that 5%, even though it sounds not too much, you have a lot of cost overhead, employees, blah, 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 that like, you need to have a big profit margin in order to keep that massive business running. Um, so obviously when you see that, it's like, do I rather pay 25K or fucking pay later almost a million, yeah, a million dollars or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, and you gave me options there. You were like, we could do that. Or, you know, payment plans could be another option, you know, offering the client like, hey, we can break it down in three payments. Yeah, I think you mentioned that one as well, breaking it down on two payments or something. Um, and then you you can do the referrals kind of thing. So you you had that as your last resource, which, which is very smart, right? Because then I still, like I said, I was playing the tough client and the tough annoying client just pushing for for that to happen for that little money um and then he gave me the options i now it's like either me go with him or i i have to go somewhere else because he's not budging um and then from that i was like you know they always have more money for for the budget and stuff like that especially when it's big big clients like they come to you with very little money but soon you'll find out that they have way more they were just price shopping yeah um so then i I went to you with five but you know the limit we had in mind was eight let's say um and you still hold your ground which is the most important thing hold your fucking ground and let the the let the 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 price sink in and the options sink in as well like don't underestimate the power of silence of just saying your price or saying like these are the options and just fucking stay silent because i know the urge that you get especially when it's a, a life call with a client and you see the potential and you're always thinking like fuck that's still okay you know like but you you gotta think bigger you gotta think of of the actual project itself and how much value you're going to get and that you in order for you to get that result that you're promising or or in some way like saying that you're going to deliver you really need that budget in order to make things happen so like just stay silent like silence is such a powerful tool when it comes to negotiating like just stay if in and if you're in front of someone if it's over the phone you can you know just chill but if you're in front of someone body language is key as well like Say your price and don't flinch. Don't be like, you know, like we were joking about it before, like 25, whatever. But like, you know, like, like say it. You And it takes practice. Okay. You don't get comfortable saying big numbers so quickly. Like, but when you understand where that price comes from and how you're going to be able to get them that much money and that many results, and obviously your confidence that you've been able to build with your skill through time and practice and whatever, it's going to get very easy for you to say, yeah, okay, you're going to make 12 million. Yeah, it's going to cost you 25K yeah. to make this happen. Um, so, yeah, is there anything that you think I missed from this role play we just did that could be valuable for people? So, a couple of things um, that I, on reflection, I could have done to um, help, like, 
I guess like solidify that value more mm-hmm. is and um, one thing is one thing you mentioned was that the product itself is worth ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So again, if like if I'm like so so where where we need we need a twenty five K budget to make this happen. Mm-hmm. So what you can do is you can go, is it reasonable that over the next twelve months you're gonna sell three units? So that would make $30,000. That would pay mm-hmm. for the initial video. So it's like mm-hmm. if we were to make a killer video and over the next 12 months, mm-hmm. at a bare minimum, you sold three of these units, at least you would make your money back. So that that's a good way of kind that's of like- a, That's a great point. Of, yeah. of anchoring yeah. to that. And then it's like kind of like, okay, I think we could sell three units sort of yeah. thing. Because then it's like, it's because then, then again, it's like you can then anchor it again where it's like, okay, what what how many units do you reckon you, you would- Like what, what is a minimum over the next month? Say you sold one a month. Mm. So that's twelve units. That's one hundred twenty thousand mm. dollars. Like again, if we if we made this twenty five thousand dollars video, and at a bare minimum we made we sold twelve units from this video over twelve mm. months, we're still making one hundred twenty grand. Like we're still making like nearly a hundred grand, like profit, well, not yeah. profit, but like yeah. extra money from this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I'm not sure if you picked up on this, but this is something that um, one of my coaches taught me is when you when you refer or someone's like, oh, this is my budget and you're like, this doesn't work for us, but there are um, other options. One of my coaches said, um, refer to other options as cheap, not um, like lower priced or less. Because when you say cheap, like cheap is one of those words that kind of like it digs deep. Because mm. it's like, like you're saying, like you want to be professional. So mm-hmm. if I'm like, oh, you just need a cheap video, then you're like, oh, no, hang on. Yeah, like, <laughs> stop that. Yeah, stop you know, there. I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, not, cheap. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a cheap video. Yeah. And it kind of, it kind of, it, it, like you're obviously not wanting to like offend mm. the person, but it's like, but just being like, oh yeah, like there are cheaper options out there. It kind of like cuts a little bit deeper and it helps solidify the fact of like, oh no, that's not what we want. Mm. So they kind of mm. like self, uh, I don't know what the word is, kind of like self- Self-analyze? Yeah, like, yeah. like almost like self-impose yeah. like what they're actually wanting out of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's a good one. Yeah, that's a great point because words matter as well. And, and if you use the right words- like you you'll get it you'll you'll get it close and mind you like this is all for the good of the client like this is all for you to be able to provide the right service for them to accomplish their goals 100%. so don't don't think about it because i think this is another thing like the imposter syndrome of like shit i'm charging them 25k no no no, no. you're charging that because your skill and and your abilities and everything you're gonna commit to this project it's going to help them make way more money than that, right? Yeah. So it's, I think it, ta- it takes time for us as creatives to click on that. Like, okay, I'm helping them actually by, by staying, holding my ground and charging what I, I should be charging for this project. I'm actually helping them. I'm not helping them if I bring the budget to $1,000. Because guess what? For $1,000, first of all, he's not going to be excited, to do the project second of all he's not gonna bring all his gear because he's like fuck it like my camera is way more than that and you're you're lucky if i film you with my phone yeah you know there he's not gonna really be on more projects with us maybe he'll do this video but like he's not gonna want to stay working on the long term because he's like these guys don't get it you know like i'm providing way too much value in here so like i said it's it's getting out of that mindset that you know, you're, you're just charging too much. You're not. When you understand where that price comes from and you're able to break it down for you and then for your client, that's when you, you get the, the better clients and, and the, the bigger budgets sure. as well. I, I, I just realized we went really deep with that, but I, I think that <laughs> the role play, it's going to help a lot of people. I wish, sure. I wish I had that information 
years ago like and, and i learned it sooner yeah um but real quick before we move on yeah i know we're like running over time but um one other thing oh no i've forgotten now what was i gonna say um about sales and selling and I've lost it. Oh, when, lost when, it, I think right about it, when it comes I'll, I'll back, about, yeah. uh, let me know. You can't. Yeah, you're providing a lot of value, so we need to to get all the little nuggets. <laughs> um, if you if you're a filmmaker, uh, does gear matters? So this is an interesting one. I I think that gear does matter, mm-hmm. but oh, so, so this is where I'm coming from. So okay, going back, and then we'll come back to this. Okay. So um, essentially, like. Like you were saying, like you are trying to provide a service to your client, right? Mm-hmm. And like if you're if you think, you know, if they're coming to you and they want a thousand dollar video and you're like, We're trying to make this twelve million dollar campaign, mm-hmm. like let's twenty five K is gonna allow us to do something. If you think about what the difference between what the difference is between a thousand dollar campaign and a twenty five thousand dollar campaign, it's like you have budget to hire the best locations. You hire the best talent. You actually can bring on crew to be able to do bigger things. Like you can make it Big like like Apple doesn't spend a thousand dollars in their videos. They mm-hmm. they they hire Apple literally hires the best cinematographer, the best director, the mm-hmm. best producer, like the best in the world mm-hmm. because they understand that if they bring all these minds together, they can rec- create like an absolute killer campaign mm-hmm. that's going to give them the result they want, which is just like worldwide domination, basically. Yeah, but but, 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 esen- but essentially, yeah. like essentially thinking about it like that, like if. It, even on 8K, it's like, okay, maybe we can do it for 8K and we can potentially get a result. Mm-hmm. But between 8K and 25K, it's a big difference as well. Mm-hmm. Like, like you might then go, okay, well... And, and again, like you could even do this. You could be like, okay, let's just, let's just do this for an example. We could do it for 8K, but what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to make sacrifices on location. We're not going to be able to have as many, uh, like, as, as, as good talent. We might have to get, you know, like z-grade actors we mm-hmm. might have to just get like people that are just kind of starting out mm-hmm. and they're just not going to understand kind of like what our vision is and we want to bring people on that understand and are experts in their field mm-hmm. so then they can help bring the result as well because again like even if we made this amazing campaign but we had people that weren't very good like or we, or we shot in the worst location and you know like we, if we're competing with apple let's at least match them let's make sure we're shooting on the best cameras let's make sure mm-hmm. we're shooting the best locations let's let's make sure we have the best strategy and story possible mm-hmm. but to do that we need the time which obviously equates to to, to monetary value as well it's like yeah. we need we need the money there to be able to put in the time and, and work with that team to be able to bring that value to you yeah completely you you completely nailed it with that like yeah, def- definitely like learn more about value-based pricing and, and how to have these type of conversations. Um, just quickly before we move into uh, the skier matters, because I, I, I know now for people like us or maybe Guillaume as well, like it's like, yeah, of course, like that's the way we should be having our conversations and blah, blah, blah. But for someone that has been charging $500 or maybe a thousand for, for videos or for their services and stuff, when they hear these numbers, they're like, it feels like unreachable, you know, like for the longest time, it felt to me like, man, it's not, like nobody's going to pay me to get 25K or 50K or 100K, you know, until it happens. And then you're like, that it's like a big eye-opening moment right like and so if you are at that stage of the five hundred thousand dollars maybe a little bit more whatever like how do you get there how do you how do you get to a place where you can charge this much so the the big difference is the actual clients itself because like there's 
so one thing um, a couple of my coaches have taught me, but there's always people that will be cheaper and there's always people that will be more expensive. And on the flip side, you're always going to lose customers because you're too expensive and you're always going to lose customers because you're too cheap. Because when you think about it, like say if Apple came to you and they're like, we need a video and they've gone through the whole thing and you're like, it's $10,000. They're like, mm, no, nah, we've got a million dollar budget. We'll go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, so I think people are more scared of losing jobs because they're charging too much. Whereas you have to think of it, it's like you might be losing work because you're charging too little as well. Because mm. again, if someone comes to you and they're like, I want a video and it's like, it's $1,000, you're like, I've got 10K to spend mm. and I know that 10K is going to get me a good video. Like if you're only charging $1,000, you probably aren't as good as someone who's charging mm. 10K. So that's the other thing as well. It's like the more you charge, the more people actually value your work and the more, it's just it, like, it's just inherent value as well. Because it's mm. like, if you're, if you're paying $100,000 for a video, you want to make sure that, like, or you would, you would assume that that person is like absolutely killer at what they do and they're actually going to get your result. Whereas when you're starting to charge those smaller amounts, it's kind of like, meh, like if I, if you, if you spend say $500 on a video, it's like, if I get a result or not, it doesn't really matter. Like it's only $500 where it's spend $25,000. It's like, you're a lot more invested. And also you trust the, the company more. Cause it's like, I don't know how to make a campaign that's going to make me money. Mm. So I like, I tr- I'm trusting you to understand that like what we're wanting and where we're wanting to go and trusting your expertise and like mm. putting that forward in terms of uh, how to attract the right customers. Uh, I guess it, it, it kind of depends on uh, the number one thing you can do right now is your portfolio, I guess. So if you are producing work that looks like a $500 video, then you're going to keep attracting people that are like a $500 video sort of thing. And like passion projects is a huge thing. And that's, that's one of the techniques we use as well is like, Look at an Apple commercial. Look at, you know, like an Amazon commercial. Look at a Google commercial. Look at how they're producing what they look like and strive to make a portfolio that actually looks like that. Because when you start having portfolios and, and, and content that actually looks high end and looks big budget, mm-hmm. then people then look at it and, and they just look at it and they go, oh, this, he must be charging, you know, X amount of thousands of dollars to make this thing. And then as well, you start attracting those customers that actually have bigger budgets. So then when you start going, I don't know. And even if you stepped up from 500,000 to say, you know, 3,000 to like kind of like slowly make your way up there, it's like you, you, I feel like you do have to make those stepping stones. Like you, very rarely can you go from charging $500 to charging $25,000 mm. because it's just you, you, your mm. mind just isn't there. So you might have to go, okay, I'm charging 500, let's charge, you know, two and a half, let's charge 3,000 for a project. And then you start doing that for a bit. And then you, you get confident with saying that. And then you're like, okay. Now I'm confident that I prov- I believe I'm providing more value in this. Let's go to five thousand dollars, and then that mm-hmm. might be another jump. And you kind of like you have to work your mind around that, and then you just keep like moving your way up. Yeah, and for the longest time, I thought and I think when you're there, you don't realize it. You have to experience it to to get it. But for the longest time, when I had no work, I was like, "Fuck, I really want work." And then I found work, and I'm like, "Fuck, I really want more work." And then you get a lot of work and you're like, shit, this is too much. Like, I don't have the systems, the processes, um, the gear, whatever it is to take on that much work um, or, or the caliber of the job itself. So things take time. It's very rarely you're going to have someone that it's prepared to take on a 25K job right off the bat. Like uh, things take time and it's better for you to fail a few times with smaller less risk 
type of thing jobs yep. you know because a 500 dollar job like people are gonna be like yeah fuck if things go to shit it's not gonna be Doesn't as matter. if with apple you know you're gonna cost them millions if they hire you to do their project for for their new iphone and things don't go to plan you know so the 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 bigger the risk the bigger the reward you got to see it like that and just keep practicing keep educating yourself with business side of things and especially around value-based pricing because at some stage it's not more about the skills like once you know how to make a decent video and all of this like you could be making a shitload of money and you don't need to be at the top kind of thing. Unfortunately, that's yeah. the, the reality of and things. And if you think about it in terms of like a business, like at the end of the day, a business wants more customers, more sales, high conversions. Like mm-hmm. that's their end result. They, they want to make more money. Mm-hmm. Like everyone just wants to make more money. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you had two businesses, sorry, it's two videographers and one charged, you know, or so, sorry, so one had the best gear in the world, mm-hmm. but their videos you know, didn't make you more sales, didn't reach more customers, didn't actually hit your goals. Mm -hmm. And then you had someone who was shooting on an iPhone, but they actually made you the results you want. It's like, at the end of the day, it doesn't, like we're talking about, it's like, it's a vehicle. It's like whether you're shooting on the best gear in the world or an iPhone or whatever it is, like if you're getting your clients results, they don't really care how Mm. you do it as long as you get them there. Mm. And again, like sadly and we'll talk about why gear matters sadly there is an image that comes with expensive gear that clients don't un- clients don't know why it matters but they just know that bigger is better essentially yeah, i feel like exactly. like just in general people are yeah. like just they just understand through life that if something's bigger and looks more complex then it's more expensive so it is better sort of thing yeah in my opinion gear does matter at some stage like once you get the skills and everything like you understand how to make a great video you understand storytelling you understand all these things it's gonna be very different when you show up to a client project with your easy rig your ring grip two cameras you know like even if you get an assistant um you start rolling your pelican cases and all this shit it does make a difference so like yeah. you can see it like literally in the client's eye and if you were if you were the client if someone shows up and i'm paying twenty five thousand dollars for a job and he shows up with his little camera and a shotgun mic like i'll be like really mate like I, I just pay you this much money and and this is what's gonna get unfortunately that's that's how it is you yeah. know it doesn't matter if that's a red komodo or whatever it is like unfortunately they, like we eat on that you know it's, it's just like when you see a really nice car you instantly go like shit you know like that, that guy must have paid a lot of money your client when they see you rolling with all this expensive gear sometimes it doesn't even have to be expensive it just has to be big it, well, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it just has to look impressive because yes. even like if you think about it if you've if your client has made videos before and they've never had lighting, which when we first started, a lot of clients had never had lighting. Mm. And I remember the first day I rocked up to a set and it was like a hundred eighty dollar light and a softbox and a stand. It cost me like maybe like two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. And I set up and they were like, Whoa, like Whoa. <laughs> this is insane. Like no one's ever done it before. But but and this, this is guy is serious. Yeah, like, man, you must spend so much money on this. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like when we go back to value, it's like value is based on um, like different things, mm. like is I don't want to. I know we're like kind of going over time stuff, but like Alex Hormozzi's um, value equation mm. has yeah, kind of like oh, that's yeah, 
You definitely, I, I mentioned it, I think, on Guillaume's episode, but yeah, keep going. Like. But it's so good because it's like, there's there's four, essentially four different things that um, that determine value. So you have dream outcome, perceived likelihood of achievement, time delay, and effort and sacrifice. Mm. So essentially, like, if you can bring time delay and effort and sacrifice down, you're going to increase the value. And then if you can bring uh, dream outcome and perceived likelihood of achievement up, mm-hmm. then you can essentially... Uh, provide more value so if you think about it like the easiest example is if you thought about a camera and as soon as you thought about it it appeared in front of you and it like no took the money out of your account or something like that is infinitely valuable Mm. because there's there's zero time delay and zero Mm -hmm. effort and sacrifice Mm -hmm. you're getting your dream outcome Mm -hmm. and the perceived likelihood of achievement is 100 percent because it's like it's there there. so it's like when you bring these lights and stuff it's like it increases that perceived likelihood of achievement because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this guy has all the gear. Like he knows, mm-hmm. it just makes it look like, it like makes you look like you know what you're doing. Like yeah. hopefully you do know yeah. what you're doing, but it just, it just brings this, this, I don't know. I don't know what the exact word is, but it like almost brings like authority because it's like, if you have all this gear and you set it up and stuff, it makes it look like you know what you're doing more. Yeah, completely. And that's the word authority, you know, like Eddie, like you're 100% going to, increase rapport that's the other thing like instantly without even really doing anything just by showing up with your gear you're increasing the rapport with your client because they're instantly like yeah this is this is the right you're you're certifying in their mind even if they're not thinking about it like subconsciously they're like yeah i hired the right person for this job so like they like there's so many advantages to your gear unfortunately like and so in many of them but and the other thing is like your gear is technically it should just make you work more efficiently be more productive and make your life easier so you can get a better result that's the way i see it like when because that's the other thing because then you said we said like oh gear does matter and then someone that is saying like oh i've been wanting to buy that lens for the longest time and it's a lens that they actually don't need that there's not gonna bring any value to them or to the work or to their clients yeah you know so it's like i think it's knowing what's the right gear that it's going to bring you actually value which leads me to the next question what do you think are let's say three pieces of gear that will really increase your roi your return on investment for like clients for the job itself for your maybe your post-production what what do you think are like Three things, if, if someone is listening to this and they have maybe some cash, they just don't know what to get or whatever, what what would be like an actual good investment in your experience? Because you own a lot of gear. So so one thing, and this is from experience, um, it, it depends on who you work with. Mm. If you work with clients that are on site, like on set when you're actually filming, one of the best things that I've had is a wireless display. Because like by physically being able to give them an iPad or a display and it's like, just watch what we're actually doing. Like, the, I remember the first time I gave my client an iPad and they could see what I was filming and they were like, like they couldn't believe their eyes. They were like, how is the feed getting from there to here? Yeah. And and the, the other thing as well is not only does it increase value in terms of like your perceived value because you, you look like you know what you're doing and you're giving them something that allows them to see what's happening. Mm. It also makes it more efficient on set because if they see something that they don't like, they, they're able to like pull you up on it straight away 
rather than, you know, like if you miss it and then you get into the edit and you're like, oh man, like, I wish we saw that on set or something. Because like everyone's kind of like looking at different things and trying to get distracted um, kind of like on uh, when we're actually shooting and whatnot. So yeah, definitely a wireless display. And like you can get them pretty cheap now. I think you can get them for like, you know, like five, 600 bucks or something. Um, just to kind of like, to, to essentially just like, what you're doing and also as well to be able to pull the client away because you know you've probably had this you have the client like over your shoulder and kind of like trying to look at what you're doing and it's kind of you feel a bit awkward whereas if it's just like hey just come over here like we'll, we'll get you a little chair and we'll have a little stand you yeah. can just see what's happening yeah. and then we can kind of like go over stuff and like if you have feedback or or we'll kind of like if you watch and then afterwards we can be like okay we're going to move to this show are you happy with where we are and stuff if that's kind of like how you, how you work i don't know mm -hmm. how, how other people work um we typically don't shoot with um with clients on site we do um, all ourselves with just our team um but that is that is definitely number one number two is good audio because if if you have really bad audio and i think i've started noticing this more when i'm watching other people's ads and stuff mm -hmm. there's been so many ads and the audio is so bad and obviously mm -hmm. like i'm a filmmaker so i know how to fix it so it, it annoys me more mm. but it's like if you have bad quality video but good audio mm. you can still figure it out mm -hmm. but if you have really good quality video and bad audio your mind just it, it like you, ha you have to burn too many calories understanding what's actually mm. going on mm. like processing the data so you just tune out straight away so definitely number two is is good audio mm -hmm. number three um number three i'm gonna say is um uh, so i use a program called studio binder and basically what it is, is when you start getting to these bigger scale sets and productions is there's there's like a set thing that kind of happens, especially for like our, our production site. So, so when we onboard a client, obviously we um, we send some concepts over and then once we do that, we do a, a full script. So we actually script mm -hmm. it in like a, a film format. Mm -hmm. And then in Studio Binder, it allows you to basically work through this process in a super easy way and makes mm -hmm. it a bit more efficient. So, so we'll write our script for our client. Once we've done that, then we can start looking for um, cast and locations. Then we can obviously write a shot list and this is all in, in the software. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we can then um, do our storyboarding. So we can actually set up our storyboarding. Mm -hmm. Once we do that, we can then basically pull all that data into shot lists. Uh, sorry, not shot lists, um, call sheets. So then when we have our team, because typically we work with, you know, three to six crew on set, depending on how big the production is. Mm -hmm. But it's like people need to know where they're going, what kind of stuff we're shooting. Mm -hmm. So by being able to like make our call sheets, we can send that out to all our um, all our cast and our crew so they know what's mm -hmm. going on. They have some extra information there, like, you know, like where it is, wardrobe, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then what's the other one we got? And then as well, like when you start getting to bigger things, it's just, it helps you manage stuff. So say if you're shooting a food commercial and you kind of like, you might have the script and then another place you've got the kind of like props you need and then what the food you need and then like someone else mm. is like, it kind of just all consolidates it into one place mm -hmm. and it kind of breaks it down. So for example, like um, in the script, you might say, you know, so-and-so chops up a zucchini. And basically what we can do is we can highlight it and we'll basically catalog all the information in the script and then we can just basically spit out a thing and it's like if someone's going to go props, 
Um, so we had someone's buying props. We can just spit out the props that we need. And it's like, here's the list. Can you make sure you understand, um, go get that stuff? We might have like food. So it's like, can you, can someone go to the shops and buy this? It just helps like make it more efficient when you start getting to those bigger scale productions. Yeah, right. It sounds like a lot like Milanote or something like that. Yeah, so it, it's essentially that, but it's specifically designed for the film industry. Yeah, so Studio okay. Binder, I think it's an industry standard for like feature films. Oh, wow. Okay, so, super profe- professional. Mm. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I like all the ones that you mentioned and, and audio like it's a key one like the minute you invest into a better mic and and microphones are one of those things as well that they last a very long time just like a lens when you invest in a lens it like it holds its value very well same with microphones so it's yeah. not like camera bodies that they're changing like every year every almost every month at this stage yeah sure um, however yeah. if you have excess cash the first thing i do is where are you currently stressed in your business and figure out what that is. Because if you're stressed about where your next client's coming from, a new camera, a new lens isn't going to fix that. It's not going to fix that. That's like when you go into, okay, maybe I need to invest more in marketing. Maybe I need to invest more in my sales process. Maybe Mm. I need to, you know, figure out, you know, design a new website to attract the kind of person I wonder. Or even maybe I need to, um, you know, build out a better portfolio. So instead of spending that $500,000, $2,000 on a new bit of equipment, Mm. invest that in yourself, you know, hire people, hire locations, film projects for yourself to mm-hmm. be able to expand and build on a better portfolio to start attracting those those clients that you want. Yeah, completely agree. That's that's great advice. Like don't think that a lens or you know even the mic or whatever a transmitter is going to, you know, solve this specific problem that you have. Um so if you have some cash and you have an issue first, identify clearly what's the issue and then put that money towards the business to help it. Um, we, we haven't been able to get into all the questions <laughs> I have, but you had so many questions from YouTube and all these things. So we're going to have quick fire round. We, we, we're going to have to save it. I want to save it for another episode because I know you will have a lot of good insights um, for people. Yep. So we we're definitely going to have to make this happen again. I knew, I, I knew. what did I say? I said we're going <laughs> to bring the value and we did it. We, we brought Andrew freaking Murphy. So um, just to, to close in, like what, what are three pieces of advice you will give to your younger self? Uh, invest as much money as possible in time saving. Like, and I'm only now, like like I said, like I'm spending $36,000 a year or something like mm. this year to, to essentially fast track my growth. And like, I guess, I guess if I boil this down to one thing is if you're going to do something eventually, just do it now. Because it's like, if you're like, oh, I need to invest in marketing, but I'll wait until I have the money or I'll wait three or I'll wait six months. It's like, if you're going to do it eventually, why not do it now and start reaping the benefits from it right now? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I used to always think as like of, of loans and debt as bad, but it's like, if you can, you know, invest in something now to give you the skill set to make you more money, like that is worth investing in right now. Because again, it's like, like what's that? Buy more gear doesn't necessarily make you more money. But mm-hmm. if you invest in, you know, a marketing project or a coach or something that's going to teach you the skills to be able to make, you know, 10, 20, 30 times that amount of money my back sort of thing, so that is that's probably the number one thing that I would tell myself. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is um, less focus on technical, more on like understanding what clients actually want. Because at the end of the day, it's like like what's that? Clients don't necessarily want video. Like video is just one method. You could mm. get podcasts or photos or like there's there's a 
a host of different things you could do to get mm. the result you want. Thankfully, video is just the most efficient and the most effective way of getting your message across because essentially mm. it's like you, as human beings, like you burn the least amount of calories doing it. Like mm. a photo typically has to come with a caption, so you mm. have to read it and you have mm. to process it. Podcast, podcast is probably pretty good as well because you don't have to even read, uh, like watch it, so you mm. can do it while you're doing other stuff. But in terms of video, it's like, you don't have to click nowadays. Like things autoplay, you just mm. watch it and you just absorb the information. So thankfully, we're in a very good field that's kind of going to have a lot of growth in the next mm. kind of like... Essentially, it's like, I feel like it's just always going to mm. be one of the like uh, most highest converting methods. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, I think number three would be um, consistency, but also just kind of like not being too caught up on how long things take. Because I feel like when you first get started, you're like, I want to make a million dollars in a year. It's like, and if you don't hear it, then you get disappointed. But it's like, as long as every day you're getting a little bit better at what you're doing and you're putting steps in place to move you towards where you want to be, like, that's super valuable. And it, it, it's when you start getting to like, you know, a week where it's like, oh, you're not really doing too much. And then it gets to two weeks, then a month and you're not actually doing anything then that's where you need to start kind of like catching yourself and being like, okay, I'm not moving to where I want to go. Is this helping me get to where I want to go? And if it's mm-hmm. not, then stop doing whatever you're doing and start doing things that are actually going to move you towards that that end goal. Yeah, good job. Good job. Those are three gray nuggets right there. There's another thing that I'd, I'd, I was like, oh, we'll save it for another one. But I'm too curious. I yeah. need to know. Why. There's a Miss Murphy there is a Ms. in Murphy. your life. How does that play out? Because you're an entrepreneur, you're always busy, you're always working, you're doing YouTube, you have clients, you have marketing campaigns, you're here with your favorite Venezuelan doing this (laughs) podcast. Like, how do you manage the time for the relationship and how does it play out for the... Because, like... I'm I'm trying to speak to the people that they're they're super heavy into what they're doing. Like they're putting all their time, energy, and effort into making this thing that they really want happen, right? Yeah. Or make a living with what they love, whatever it is. But they, you know, there's also a, a, a negative to it that you become very lonely. You know, sure. like it, like it's a very lonely journey, especially as a creative entrepreneur. Um, because we do everything ourselves. We do the editing, we do the shooting, it, like the, until you are able to afford people to help you, you know, and, do, sure. and scale all those things. So how do you manage that? Like the relationship, the time for it? Yeah. So thankfully, Mrs. Murphy, mm-hmm. Ash Murphy. Is, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to her. Is, yeah. Is just super supportive. She's awesome. So we, we just got married May this year. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. So freshly married. But yeah. yeah, she's awesome. Like she, she's very understanding of kind of like, um, the goals that I want to hit. And like when, when we set our goals, we kind of set them together. So it's like mm-hmm. we we both know where we want to go and like why we're putting in the effort that we're putting in. Mm-hmm. But I would say I am a terrible person to give relationship advice or anything like that because because I'm, I haven't been diagnosed with like ADD or ADHD, but I know that I have one of them because I get hyper-focused mm-hmm. and like, and she notices as well. So like, especially right now running this marketing campaign and building everything up, like I've just been like 110% focus, and unfortunately it's come to the point where like she's had to pull me up and she's like, hey, we haven't been hanging out. Like, mm-hmm. but, but thankfully she comes to me and she's like, hey, I've noticed you've been too focused on this. Like let's start putting in a bit of order and, and she hates it. But what works for me is that I, if I schedule everything out, it makes more sense. 
So like in my calendar every Tuesday from 5 p.m. Mm. to say 10 p.m., we have date night. And I know that at 5 p.m. on a Tuesday, everything stops and that's just relationship time. And now it's getting to the point where because I'm just spending so much time and I'm getting so focused on these things, I'm having to kind of like book out time to like have relationship. <laughs> and, and, she, and she hates it. And she's going to hate it. She's going to hate that I'm saying this, but it's like, but for me, that's just how my mind works. Like mm-hmm. I'm just all in on this and then I'm all in on this and I just mm-hmm. don't think about other stuff. So it's mm-hmm. like, if I don't do that, it's just, I just don't think about it at all. So I feel like a really good uh, schedule and a really good count, like using your calendar more, that mm-hmm. helps me a lot because it's like, then it's like, I have an hour and I'm just focused on this. And then once that happens, then I got an hour to focus on this. And I try work between eight and five each day. Mm-hmm. And then kind of outside of that, I try tune off, which is it's very hard when you're running your own business sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's a constant, like it's a constant struggle. Like it's kind of like some days I just can't stop focusing on stuff. Some days I can, and it kind of, it, it's really good and we can hang out and, mm-hmm. and like be really present. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it is a constant battle. But I think one thing that definitely helped is um, there's a test you can do called the love language test. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure if you've done it. Mm-hmm. But essentially, like, it, it determ- it, it's like, like I would do it and um, Ash would do it. And it tells both of us what we value most in a relationship. So I think for her, it is... Uh, so I'm quality time. I think for her, it might be like um, touch which isn't like it doesn't feel like a sexual thing. It's just kind of like she just, yeah, yeah, she just like values physical, like, yeah, physical, like, physical touch. Yeah, yeah, like being close and mm. kind of like you know like holding hands and mm. just being like like it doesn't just have to be like like kissing and being affectionate, but just like being in close proximity to someone. Mm. And I've noticed that as well. But now understanding that, and we've just recently done it again because it changes like as you kind of like get older. Mm. But we've recently done it again, so now it's like. Now I know that when we have time together, it's like that's number one priority. So it's like making sure that like, you know, I hold her hand and like give her kisses and stuff because that that's what fills up her love bucket. Yeah. Whereas for me, it's just quality time. Like literally, I could be sitting in my office working and as long as she's there, my love bucket's are getting filled up, yeah. which like she hates, yeah. but like that's just how I work yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah. but but that's, that's not how she works as well. So yeah. understanding where she is and what um, like she values more and then kind of like coming at it at that. Yeah, no, Level. that's that's really really good piece of advice as well. Cause that like I've noticed that in my own personal life, like understanding um, the um, your the type of love that your partner wants and that you want as well will make things way easier. Especially if you don't know, it, like if you're just meeting someone out and stuff like that, it's easy to go back to that to be like, will this person be able to feel you know the needs i have at this point in time in my life and if it's not like it's okay keep going do you ever had like a time where maybe she'll be like how long have you guys been together uh 12 years that is crazy that is crazy wow yeah (laughs) um have you ever had a time where she was like hey you're doing too much I'm gonna leave if you don't stop or anything like that. Uh, I definitely think there has been a few times, and that and that's kind of like again, like I, I guess for me it's like I'm not perfect. I've done a lot of personal development, mm. so I I know when to catch myself. But I still have times where again I'm just like I just get so focused on something mm. and I just don't think about anything else. Mm. And like my my friends will say as well, like I'll literally I could go like a whole year without even thinking about a friend and then like mm. some point I'll be like, oh my God, oh, like yeah. I haven't contacted this person 12 mm. months because it's just the way my brain works. It's just like, 
it's almost like um like tunnel vision. Yeah. Like it's like all I see is this. Yeah. And whatever's in my vision, I see everything else just like doesn't yeah. even cross my mind. Yeah. And because I try to keep myself busy, I try like it almost like distracts me from having to look at that. So I am trying to put set aside time to kind of like not be busy so I can kind of open it up and then go, Oh, I haven't contacted this person or I need to spend more time doing this. Mm. Um but yeah, there's definitely been times where it's kind of like yeah, I have been working too hard. But thankfully, again, because we've been um, dating for, we've been together for 12 years, like our relationship, the number one thing we have is communication. So if we're not communicating, that's when things start going wrong. Mm. So it's like if if we're starting to have issues or we're starting to like argue more and stuff, it's like let's just sit down and let's talk about what's going on, mm. kind of like what we need from the relationship and then mm. kind of like meet in the middle. And because again, it's like it's that whole love language thing. It's mm. like if you're, if you keep, giving someone what they don't want and you're expecting them to to want it then it's like yeah. it just doesn't work it's like, yeah. like same with like niching and stuff it's like fishing with the wrong bait it's like yeah. you can't expect to yeah. get the result you want yeah exactly completely brother andrew thank you so much for providing so much value for people like honestly i'm i knew it was going to be a great episode we're going to have to have you again if someone wants to get in touch with you they just want to support you follow your journey where can they find you so most active channels Instagram, so at Andrew Murphy Films, uh, but at Andrew Murphy Films on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, I think <laughs> it is. Um, and then in terms of if you are a tech brand and you're wanting to reach more customers with high converting videos, uh, arisedigital.com.au uh, is how you can reach us there. Yes, yeah, you know he's the best in the game from this conversation. So thank you for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode. Good vibes for everyone. You. How was that? <laughs> How long was that? That's one hour 42. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it and I was like, oh man, I'm talking to